Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for joining me for another episode of Spilling the Tea. Today, I was joined by Kyle DeVigi. Kyle is a real estate entrepreneur, investor, and he's got a really cool Magic the Gathering collection that I can't believe some of these cards are worth. He said up to a million dollars. Anyway, he discusses a little bit how he got into real estate. We jump into some markets that are a little bit more reasonable when it comes to wanting to invest in. So he's dual licensed here and then in another province. So grab a cup of tea and join us. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome to Spilling the Tea, a podcast brought to you by Pico Mortgages. I'm your host, Dan Johannes, and in this series, we'll be interviewing some really interesting entrepreneurs, real estate professionals, and really anyone that's got a story that I think is worth sharing with you, the viewers. So sit back, relax, I hope you enjoy it, and please comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of Spilling the Tea, a Pico podcast. I am your host, Dan Johannes, and today we've got Kyle Dovigi uh, joining us. And Kyle is a real estate investor. He's also a real estate broker, dual licensed in Alberta and Ontario. He calls himself the condo millionaire. And uh, he did this by turning a small amount of money, a deposit of 38500 into a portfolio of six properties, which is pretty fantastic. And it's worth over $4.5 million. So um, Kyle, I am so happy to have you joining us today on our podcast to talk a little bit about really how you were able to do that, because that's not, uh, that's a, not a small feat to take $38,000 and then grow it into a uh, quite a substantial portfolio of real estate holdings. So maybe you can talk to us about a little bit about how you got into real estate, um, what brought you into um, the market. And then because you're licensed in Alberta and here in Ontario, I think you've got some great insights that we can kind of talk about um, in a little bit, but I really want to get an idea of like, how the heck did you do that? Yeah, Dan, thank you for that introduction. And thank you so much for having me on the show. So I really started out, you know, as your average person working your regular day job. And it really, my journey into real estate really started back in high school. I grew up in Sudbury, Ontario, and I went to high school with a guy named Alex Wilson. Not important for the story right now, that'll come later. But we both went to Laurier, University of Laurier in Waterloo together. And during my fourth year classes, I had an entrepreneurship class. And one of them, the big year-end project, was about how are you going to make money? And I actually did it about investing in real estate. Hmm. And that's where my passion really started. And that really set the blueprint for how I was going to execute building my portfolio really over the last 10 years, because I started investing in 2012. And the the blueprint was very simple. You have to buy that first property. That, that's the key yeah, that people yeah. don't understand. You got to start with one. And then through refinancing, you know, you, I'm sure, talk all the time about this, is taking the equity out of your properties to buy additional properties. Right. So yeah. that, that's where I really started to get passionate. But after school, I didn't follow the real estate path. I actually ended up in poker, online poker, at first, with a company called Cryptologic. I was helping to design their actual software, the user interfaces, the functionality behind the scenes. Mm. A couple of years later, they ended up getting bought out by PokerStars, but had a good run of a couple of years there and really enjoyed it. From there, I actually moved on to the Interprovincial Lottery Corporation. And there I actually ran 
ILCs, uh, Lotto Max, Lotto uh, no 649, way. and Daily Grand Draws. These are actual balls that were used in those draws. And uh, I was the draws manager responsible for operating those actual draws. And during my time there, you know, found out that actually about a third of people are planning to fund their retirement by winning the lottery. You know, that didn't sit well with me. I didn't want people gambling on their futures. Lottery funds are used for a lot of good things, but that should not be your retirement strategy. Right, yeah. Right? So wow. ended up where my buddy Alex Wilson, who I grew up in high school, we went to Laurier together. We were best men at each other's weddings, you know, really good friends. He's like, Kyle, you're not really passionate about this job. He's actually one of the top realtors in all of Toronto. He was number three for Remax last year for the number of transactions. He's wow. like, why don't you come join me? You know, you're really passionate about real estate. You've been investing with me over the last 10 years. You know, you can teach the courses that I do. You know, you probably know more about it in a lot of cases than I do, especially the minute details. So I'm like, you know what? I thought about it, hummed and hawed for months, probably years even, before I finally did take that jump to get licensed. And that was back in really 2019, I think, mm. just in time for the pandemic to hit. Yeah. <laughs> that, that taught me a lot of things. And the best agents actually outperform during those tough times. Because right. when there's bidding wars, 20 bids, you know, it's easy to be an agent. It's during the tough times, the recessionary periods, where the really good agents really stand out. So I was forced to really learn the nuts and bolts of the industry beyond the investing knowledge that I had. And that really brings me today where now I'm actively working with investors across Canada to invest not only in the GTA market, but other markets like Calgary as well. And that's where I'm licensed in Ontario, but also in Alberta to help me do that. Wow. That is, that is incredible. I mean, it's interesting to kind of hear that story where you go from, you know, it sounds like, yeah, pretty much from the time of, of university, knowing that um, real estate was, was something that you were passionate about. And it's also, like you said, you know, taking that first step in purchasing the first home, it can be very daunting for a lot of people. Um, and then having to take on additional debt, uh, and, you know, uh, if you don't really fully understand the power of, of leverage and, and being able to use that to grow a portfolio, yeah, it can be overwhelming. Um, but it's interesting Absolutely. to hear that you went from, uh, getting from lottery, which is like gambling for your retirement into a very structured process of, okay, well, you know, um, we have to take certain incremental steps in order to grow a very stable portfolio for retirement or, or source of income. And uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting too, that during that transitionary phase where uh, your friend Alex Wilson had said, hey, come join me, even though, you know, you had invested yourself, you were quite certain with uh, real estate as an investment tool, you still had your hesitation to leave your job to get over. And it's like, you know, I'm sure when you look back, you're like, oh, man, that was that was easy. Uh, I should have done it earlier or something. Right. But um, absolutely. It's and, and I should have. But I actually took different entrepreneurial paths during that yeah. time. Because in 2008, I got killed in the stock market. Oh, and wow. that's what was going to be my funding for um, not only my principal residence, the condo that I was going to live in, but also my investment funds. Mm. So I went a different path. And I was actually went into uh, investing in magic cards and retailing. What? I was actually one of the biggest investors uh, and uh, retailers in Canada. I was with the third largest retailer for several years, back around 2008 to about 2012. 
That's unbelievable. So you still did that full time as well, but decided and just backed off from it. Is it uh, is it a viable investment these days? Uh, (laughs) It's the best returning investment that I've ever had. Really, I got in during kind of the the best possible times. You know, think GTA twenty years ago. That's the time I got in with Magic cards, and since then, especially during the pandemic. All sorts of space, sports card, trading cards, they've exploded in value. People, you know, have a lot of money now that, you know, are kind of age that grew up with these sorts of things right. and they're starting to invest and they're actually becoming investment assets around it as well. So there's fractional ownership, things like that too, where they're becoming uh, a legitimate investment vehicle. That's interesting because I've got an entire capsule from 1991 when I was uh, before I was a teenager, uh, and we put a whole bunch of uh, upper deck playing cards. I think I've got a couple of Nolan Ryan's in there, but maybe I should dig it out and see if there's anything <laughs> worth. Uh, they're gem mint. They might be. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're in pretty decent. Sh- I mean, I think they're in mint shape. Back then, it was like it was a thing to do. But interesting to yeah. hear how magic. Uh, uh, there's there's quite a demand for it, and uh, you can make some good money. I guess it's not like. Um, the, what was it the beanie baby craze where people were like separating them in divorce courts because it's like you know uh you couldn't you couldn't take the whole lot um my mother-in-law still has them and, oh, yeah and I still think yeah full bedroom full of them we we're trying to convince her that there's no value but yeah just hanging on to them still it's like the VHS tapes. My parents have like yeah, yeah. unsealed VHS tapes from like Little Mermaid and stuff. I, I don't think it's worth much, but hey, whatever. Maybe it'll come back. Who knows? Uh, that's that's quite the uh, that's that's quite the uh, journey there, though. To and you've put a bunch of hats on. I think that really makes us. You know, your wins. You, there's so many. Uh, um, I guess, different types of lessons that you can learn through both wins and losses through life, right? And I've talked to people that have had, you know, they were stung at a certain time getting into real estate and they're like, no, I'm not doing it again. Or they got cold feet and they left. And I think really being able to kind of say, okay, well, you know, what did you learn from this? And aligning yourself with someone that is able to kind of help you uh, find sort of the value investing and so forth. Like, you know, your cards, you know, your real estate. um, But at the same time, you still had someone like uh, Alex say, hey, you know what, I'll mentor you, I'll bring you on board and uh, show you how to kind of get your business to the next level. And I think that speaks volumes there. Um, So what are you, as far as, um, what do you, what do you specialize in? I know you're called the condo millionaire. Is it only condos or is that how you made your, your money in? Um... No, I, I, my preferred investment mechanism is condos, pre-construction condos specifically, mm. because it's the easiest possible way for the average person to invest in real estate, because right. you're just putting your deposit down with the builder. And then mm. in many cases, waiting three, four, five, six years for it to be built. You right. can't get any more passive than that. There's literally nothing for you to do. There's no tenant in the property yet because it's not even completed. Right. So maintenance as well is very easy. It's four walls and some appliances inside. You don't have to worry about the roof. You don't have to worry about snow removal, anything like that, because it's the building and the management there that's taking care of it. Yeah, it's pretty turnkey. You don't want to be, sorry? Yeah, it's pretty turnkey in that that regards. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't want to be actively managing it, you know, doing Airbnb, house hacking, Burr method, there's tons of different ways to make money. Hmm. but you have to actively be doing it. So right. for the average person that has a regular job, it's the best and easiest way. And that's how I personally have I've built my investment portfolio. It's just pre-construction condos. 
but there's definitely opportunities out there in townhomes, in detached properties, in, in things that will cash flow and give you good appreciation over the long term. Right. Um, yeah. And that's truly passive, right? Because a lot of people that might be watching this, they're like, well, I don't have the time to be a landlord. I don't have the time to go and, you know, if the roof needs fixing or foundation or something to, to take care of that. And, and yeah, this is a great way to kind of jump in. Uh, That's exactly right. And I always say, I want to be a real estate investor. I don't want to be a landlord. That's right. the necessary yeah. evil later because I want to hold my properties forever. You know, that's yeah. my investment timeline, but I want to delay that as far as I can. Because once you become a landlord, it tends to be more emotional. You're dealing with people right. and their, their actual situations. So yeah. if I can push that off, I'm all for that. So for um, as you buy these properties, Cal, and then you start finding tenants, are you getting like a property management company to, to jump in and manage the asset for you? What's your recommendation for someone? Fantastic question. In most cases, I'm doing it because I'm in the industry. I, I'm easily able to do it. Right. And for condos, you know, I've had one condo for about five years, I've gotten two phone calls in that time. You know, uh, one, they couldn't open the door and the other was a plumbing issue. Huh. So, you know, condos, they tend to be low, uh, low involvement, low management. And it's all about screening your tenants up front as well so that you don't run into those issues. Right. But I always recommend to clients, try it for a couple months. See if you're able to manage, see if you can do it. If not, property management's always there. You can always hire a property management company. That's more for your GTA properties where you can go visit the property, you know, where you're close right. by 30 minute drive, something like that. For properties in Calgary, I say by default, just go with property management. It's a couple right. provinces over different time zone. Just make your life easy. The cash flow still works with you paying for property management as well. Mm. You can still try it out. You can order anything online, but that's the path that I'm directing clients now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, being able to just kind of, you hit a, a, um, a good point there with um, uh, tenants, because sometimes if you get into the role of being landlord and being so involved, it becomes a very um, draining, emotionally draining uh, situation to be in. I know a gentleman that had a, a 12 plex, and, but he stepped up from, um, you know, basically said, you know, let's go all in and went the way of commercial, but it was too much. Uh, it was just too much because he was involved with uh, every tenant and he knew every, you know, tenant's backstory and it, yeah, it became a very emotionally driven thing and, and being able to either, um, yeah, just have, try it out is, is a great idea. And I think doing property management too is a, is a great way to have an asset that is basically set it and forget it. And it's, it's low overhead too. I'd imagine property management fees aren't too much uh, when when you have them dealing with something like a condo, right? Um, yeah, in Toronto, uh, we've got a secondary firm, Access Property Management. Uh, it's one twenty a month plus tax to manage your condo. Oh wow, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. Considering, I mean, rental, uh, you know, the rental rates right now for for condos are just pretty strong. My understanding, because we're we're ordering a lot of market rent reports, and we're seeing that the the, the trend is a very strong rental market. Um, yeah. Wow, very cool. So right now, I, there's just a, a article in the Star where some rents are up fifty four percent. Wow, that's. And, uh, uh, that's yeah, strong, like, like GTA. Absolutely seeing it. Like I rented out my condo. Um, the, the tenant actually left during COVID because she could upgrade, get a bigger unit for the same price. I ended up getting a price increase during the pandemic because it was so far under market. 
because it was rent controlled, I wasn't able to adjust the rent. But right. this time I was able to adjust it to what the market rate was, which was quite a bit higher. Perfect. And now it rented for $250 more, a similar unit. And that was just about a year and a half later, which is you know, a 15 to 20% increase. So I'm definitely believing and seeing that rents are jumping up considerably in Toronto, especially, but also in Calgary too. Mm. So for condos, because I've owned some condos in the past too. And one of the things that kind of, I guess, concerned me was uh, when you have sort of um, uh, maybe a special assessment or a condo uh, isn't properly managed, right? Um, I haven't had it personally uh, as an issue. I found they were fairly straightforward and uh, managed well. But what is there any sort of cautionary tale or warning that you want to, uh, you could possibly share in things to watch out for? Like, is it really important to be working with a developer and a property management company or a condominium? Like, are they all created equal or are there some that are just known for maybe um, workmanship that could affect things or even, you know, um, setting Absolutely. fees lower yeah. or whatnot? Yeah, and that, that's one of the main concerns that I get from people are management of the building and condo fees. People hate paying condo fees, yeah. but I'll look at the condo building in Florida that actually collapsed because it wasn't properly maintained. That's right. Yeah. That's the worst case scenario, obviously. Right. You yeah. need property management to be properly maintaining the building. And that's what your condo fees go to. Uh, they either go to paying the utilities or to the management and upkeep of the building. Right. So I, I'm not bothered by condo fees. It, it's part of the game. And that's part of the uh, set it and forget it plan where you're never going to have to put a new roof on it. You're never going to have to get the bricks repointed. You're never going to have to mow a lawn. That's yeah. embedded into the condo fees. And then property management is the one actually taking care of the building. Right. Now, this is where there have been some issues in the past, um, but you always want a good property management company in there. And there are many good ones. This is for the building, not property management, actively managing your unit. Those are two separate things. So building management is taking care of the building itself and making sure that that is properly maintained. That's a great point too, because I think some people might get that confused property management mm -hmm. on the unit versus the, the entire building. Two, two different exactly. things. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So I'm not bothered by condo fees. You watch it and manage it over time. Um, in, in Toronto, they typically start at around 60 cents a square foot. The average is probably closer between 70 and 80, you know, for five to 10 year old building. I've right. seen older buildings over a dollar, which mm. is very expensive. So want to watch out for that and what the trend is going like. That could eventually be a reason that you want to exit that investment. But for the most part, you know, you're just paying that. That's just the regular cost of the upkeep. Right. In Calgary, the cost is much closer to 40 cents because they oh, have wow. much lower cost of, of living um, over there. Everything is just cheaper, you know, the, mm -hmm. gas, electricity, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. But what's more important is dealing with a really good, reputable builder mm. because you're going to hear stories in the media. They love to blow this up where builders are canceling projects or they're doing assessments where you need to pay $100,000 more in order to get the unit. Right, right. I've seen that. It's I've only heard both. been the small time players that aren't able to properly hedge their risk. You know, they're very subject to commodity fluctuations. They don't have access to big financial markets like the big players do. Um, companies like, you know, Minto, Truman and Calgary, they have their own labor forces. 
They're not going out right. to the market and hiring separate companies. They're actually controlling kind of end to end um, their entire production. So it's those sorts of companies that are better able to weather delays and fluctuations in the financial markets, in commodity markets, in labor markets. So you always want to be dealing with, you know, good, reputable, larger builders for the most part. The medium size can definitely be fantastic as well. Uh, like Morrison and Calgary is, is a, a smaller company, but more medium sized, but they deliver a fantastic product. So really look out for that reputation and the past track record that they have building in the market that you're buying in. Right. I think it's so important, you know, because a lot of people that jump in and they see, oh, maybe this this uh, community or development, it sounds like a really good deal, but you don't know. Um, years ago, my uh, my parents, before we got into investing, they didn't know, right? And they they went in on a, a smaller developer. Luckily, Tarion stepped in because uh, it had, folded, they get their deposit back. But it was one of those lessons that was a hard lesson to learn. Um, and I think this is why it's so important. Uh, someone like you that can step in and you have the knowledge, you have the experience and the inside sort of scoop on what developers to kind of uh, go with and other ones to be a little bit more cautious when proceeding. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where the value of what you're doing really comes into play. And I would, so I've got a question for you, Kyle. Um, we're clearly, the tide is turning, right? In the GTA, we're seeing that home prices are uh, not where they were before. There's not as much demand. Uh, bidding wars aren't like they were back in January, February, even last year. Um, so there's a little bit of uncertainty. And when we add on to that, um, you know, high fuel prices, high cost of food, high everything, inflation going through, uh, uh you know, uh, ceilings they haven't seen before. I think in the U.S., the Feds had announced 8.6% inflation, which we haven't seen in like 30, 35, 40 years, something crazy like that. Um, and then when we get north of the border here, we're looking at additional rate increases. Um, I think overall, when we look at it, obviously interest rates are still, you know, pre-pandemic, we were sitting at a five-year fixed of around 3.59%. So we're not too far off there, but it's still creating enough turbulence in the market that people are um, uncertain. So I guess the question is someone wanting to get into the market or maybe even exit and look to sell, what's your advice to them right now? Should they stay on the sidelines? Um, and yeah, what do you see happening right now? Let's focus on, on Toronto because then we can jump into the exciting part of Calgary. Awesome. Yeah. And the media loves to jump on these sorts of stories mm. where prices are absolutely down overall. But really, there's two different markets. There's the outer GTA market and the central Toronto market. The GTA had exploded in a lot of different areas, even parts of southern Ontario. You know, we're up 40 percent cities that I had to look up on the map of where they were. And right. there, there was no sustaining factor there. So when just a little bit of demand started being pulled back because of rising interest rates, you saw the market, the bottom just fall out of it. Right. Whereas yeah. in Toronto, and especially the core, it's weathering it much, much better. Now there's definitely price weakness. People are, are scared. There's fear out there. And I've even seen people giving away properties right now that they don't need to. Mm. Because there's no catalyst for it. They, you know, they're not losing their mortgage. They still have jobs. It's not doom and gloom, even right, though that's what yeah. the feeling is out there right now. Yeah. So prices are coming down. It, there is going to be definite price weakness, especially for, you know, fixer uppers, 
second and third tier properties, properties with wow factor, they're still setting records. They're right. still going multiple offers, anything good and quality, because there've been so many people trying to get into the market that there's tons of people sitting on the sidelines and have been there for years waiting to jump in. Right. A lot of people are seeing this as their opportunity. Now, for people looking to sell, I say don't do it unless you absolutely have to. Right. Because you know, real estate is a long-term game. You want to stay invested in the market. There's no way to time it perfectly. Mm -hmm. you know? So don't even try. Just invest and stay invested. But I will say that there will be opportunities coming up as well, especially on the assignment market. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people bought with assignment. That's their entire investment strategy. Right. And now they may not even be able to qualify for a mortgage anymore. You know, they were already yeah. over leveraged and that's what they were planning to do. And they're going to be like, oh crap, I need to get out of this <laughs> investment and I need to get out quick. Right. So over the next kind of three to six months, I could definitely see opportunities coming. Um, for resale, I think there are going to be opportunities there as well. The challenge with, especially downtown was cash flow. Cash flow situation was brutal. You just could not make the numbers work anywhere mm -hmm. close. Now with prices coming down, rent spiking up, right. the equation is suddenly changing and you're coming back into a more equalized market where these properties will start to become pretty close to cash flowing. So I see huge opportunity in the Toronto market. It's about right now waiting, letting some of that fear you know, play out a little bit. But when those opportunities come, jump on them. And right. a lot of my investors are, you know, that they're planning to. They did it when COVID started. And I, I had a good friend invest, bought a unit for 700000 It's worth almost a million now. It was an assignment that he picked up. I actually found for him. Wow. But he was so scared to do it. And now, like, he's laughing. Yeah, he's up 50% yeah. um, you know, on the purchase price, which is incredible. So there will be those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's uh, that's a good point. I think anytime there's a little bit of uncertainty or change, uh, a shift in the tide there, there's there's a lot of opportunity if you know where to look. Um, it's interesting you point on the assignments too. So if someone is interested in picking up an assignment property, um, how do they do that? Do they come to you and then you kind of, you find it? Because obviously I don't think that would be uh, something that would be out there in the open market for them to just, oh, I'm going to go on realtor.ca or whatever and find an assignment, right? Exactly. And most of the time, you're not even able to advertise the assignments on realtor.ca or MLS. It's actually written into your purchase agreements for the oh, most right. part. So there, there's definitely secondary markets that mainly agents and brokers have access to. So definitely want to work with a, a reputable agent like myself that can find those assignments for you. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, you had a good point there too. Like a lot of people, like any type of market, it ebbs and flows like your magic cards. I'm sure at some point they're worth a heck of a lot and went down and then it's up. So, you know, in this, uh, yeah, in this industry too, it's just kind of a matter of weathering the storm and not jumping too early out of it because you have, you know, asset appreciation that's happening. You have someone, uh, Ideally, if you're renting out the property, someone is paying your mortgage for you. So, you know, you have principal reduction. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a really good way of being able to, to build equity and build uh, a little bit of a nest egg there if you can just weather it. And I oftentimes I see this too with clients that are like, you know, they're really um, um, afraid of well, what does this mean for my affordability? Should I do fixed? Should I do variable? Uh, and you kind of have to kind of step back for a second and say, okay, well, you know, let's take a look at, at uh, 
where things were prior to um, um, the pandemic and even going back to, you know, the, the early 90s and where interest rates are because in the overall uh, grand scheme of things, it's really not that bad. Um, and yeah, just try not to, to um, uh, I guess, let emotion dictate what happens, right? Um, it didn't take, you know, you didn't, you didn't get to where you are by um, reacting every time there was a little blip in the market. It was methodical. And literally from the time you, you started, um, I finished at Laurier there, um, you know, there was, everything was built upon sort of that, uh, uh, that catalyst to, okay, well, this is, this is um, um, uh, sort of the next step I need to take in order to achieve that goal. Um, so for anyone that might be concerned and say, okay, well, you know what, um, I'm just, a, I'm outpriced. I can't, I can't afford it. And I posted a few TikToks that really kind of, um, I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Uh, and it, <laughs> it triggered something with a lot of people. I think one of them over the weekend, has got like 400,000 views. I got hundreds of comments. I had to shut everything off because, uh, they were oh, like, there's me. no way everything's just overpriced, Dan, like we can't afford, you don't understand in this market. And uh, so the question is, if someone wants to start a um, an investment portfolio, they can't afford here. Is there any other place in Canada that they could maybe invest in, Kyle? Yeah, and, and that's the challenge that I see every single day, not only for investors, but end users, people that want to buy right. a property to live yeah. in themselves, is they're just priced out of you know Southern Ontario, for mm. the most part, mm. the lowest prices are really about $1,000 a foot. So when right. you get a one bedroom, that's 500 square feet, that's half a million dollars without parking. That's yeah. out of range for a lot of people. Yeah, So let alone a family, right? It's yeah. like, just, yeah, there's, not enough, yeah, there's not enough room. Absolutely. So that's how I actually got started selling in Calgary because Calgary offers an investment product that I can't get you anywhere else in Canada. Mm. You have prices starting out when I started selling about two and a half years ago in Calgary, they were in the one hundreds. You know, I got units for 190,000 for clients for one wow. bedroom with parking more wow. suburban location wasn't downtown, but right. just about anyone can afford that and qualify for the mortgage for that as well. Yeah. But they were coming with rental guarantees. I was getting five-year rental guarantees for some of the projects, you know, just a couple of years ago, because that's what investors needed to have confidence to be able to put their market down in Calgary, right. because Calgary were so people were down on it for so long. Yeah. Um, coming with free property management during yeah. the rental guarantee periods as well, making it completely passive for you, no extra costs, right. and cash flowing like crazy. You know, even condos were cash flowing one, two, three hundred dollars a month. Detached properties with finished basements, some of them were between 500 and 1,000 a month cash flow in today's, you know, today's dollars. Um, I can't get you any of those things in any Toronto or GTA property. Right. You know, maybe yeah. one of them. I've seen rental guarantees in a few properties, but they still don't even come close to cash flowing. So Calgary affordability is amazing when you compare it nationally and mm. really amongst other large Canadian cities where I still have units right now with a project $325,000 to start. The yeah. deposit is 10%, 32,500. Yeah. You know, that's how I got started with my real estate portfolio. Um, mine was 38,000, I think 400. So almost identical to that. Putting your money down, letting it sit in the market and letting it appreciate. Right. Even detached yeah. houses, you know, those are in the 700s, possibly up to about 850 for a good area with a legal basement unit in it as well. That's you crazy. can't get a detached house for under 2 million. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. New. Yeah. And especially if you're using it as a, uh, an investment vehicle, right? Because um, it's just, you've got a lower price point, you've got high rent um, and the rental guarantee. So guys, full disclosure here, um, I've actually invested in one of the developments that uh, uh, Kyle was working on with uh, developer Minto. And it's, uh, it is uh, in, in Calgary. Um, I was a little bit, you know, I, I was comfortable with the city. And part of that is my wife and I, we've traveled there quite a bit to the Rockies. And uh, it was a place that I was familiar um, and uh, I was comfortable in investing in. Um, but it's also, you know, I, for someone that might be on the, the sidelines and say, hey, well, it's two provinces. Is it two provinces? Yeah, we're two provinces away. Uh, Manitoba. Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do the math there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so for, for us being here in Ontario, is it possible to manage a property realistically in two provinces over? And how does that look? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Can, can you speak yeah. a little bit on that? Fantastic question. And a simple answer is everything is done remotely. You can buy the property without ever going to Calgary. Purchase agreements are signed online. You do the deposits at your local bank. And then when you actually get the unit a couple of years from now, a lot of them are coming with property management. So they're managing the unit for you. Right. Or you, you just hire property management, you know, right. to manage the unit. Yeah. In Calgary, the, the most you should need to pay is 10% of gross rent. So if the mm. rent's 1500 a month, you'd be paying 150 plus GST. Right. Which is pretty, and that's reasonable. how you're going to do it, you know. Yeah. So just know it's a couple of provinces over. Just accept that. Make it a passive investment for you. You should only need to be involved if you need to cut a check for a repair or something like that, or make a decision regarding the unit that property management can't do for you. That's about it. Yeah, it seems pretty straightforward. I mean, uh, you know, we've we've helped out some clients um, in Calgary, and and outside of the pre-construction uh, stuff that we've, we've helped some of your clients with too, uh, we're just seeing people in general wanting to buy in Calgary and the surrounding areas. Um, and it's a fairly, as far as if anyone's wondering uh, the mortgage process or the finance, pro financing process, very easy to do. Everything's done, same thing digitally online. So it's not a very difficult process to get it done even you know, here, uh, in, in Ontario. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to see. And I think one of the things you had mentioned there is the, the rent guarantee and that had me thinking, well, um, I'm sure that these, these, uh, developers have deeper pockets that you and I do, and they've probably done the research into, you know, a calculated risk and having a Absolutely. rent guarantee. We're talking about billion dollar companies here. Right. They have teams of analysts. You can yeah. be darn sure that they've done the numbers. Yeah. And I even think that they're being a little conservative on those guarantees as well, because they're on the hook for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they want to make sure that the, uh, the risk is fairly low for them. And, and uh, yeah, they're not, uh, they're, they're, they're not um, overexposing themselves um, when it comes to that. Yeah, we had the opportunity. We went to uh, meet with the folks at Minto and towards some of the developments there. And I'll tell you, like, just from like, it kind of makes me wish I could just move there too, because uh, some of these communities are just gorgeous, you know, and the views of the Rocky Mountains, even from, from Calgary, uh, some of the places you can get 
incredible views. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, for, for anyone might be interested in either moving there or starting a rental portfolio. I think either way, it's a fantastic way to go. Um, so yeah, you've got the inside scoop on some of the pre-construction stuff. We can link to it below too, because I know you sent me some stuff that's uh, recently uh, hit the market. So I'm happy to, to share that with our viewers as well. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Dan. There's, there's great projects constantly launching as well. Again, I work with the major developers. Um, right. So there, there's constantly you know condos, townhomes, detached, whatever your investment goals are, definitely something available in Calgary for you. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, Okay. Uh, any sort of, I guess we'll, we'll wrap this up soon, but is there any, Kyle, I, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking to us a little bit, one, about your journey into to real estate. Um, and I'll probably have to talk to you a little bit about your, your magic collection because that, that interests me. I think it's, <laughs> it's kind of neat. Um, but also, yeah, getting into real estate and then helping people out. And I think the, the being able to, um, uh, get people into, especially with the uncertainty in this market, uh, just with everything, right? People are, some of the conversations I have with people, family, friends, uh, just not knowing what's going on uh, and what's in store for the future. Uh, I think consistently we've seen that real estate is an investment vehicle that's pretty sound um, and it's a it's a great place to park your money in times of uncertainty. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely investments out there to be found. It's just being able to uncover them and work with the right people. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you coming on today on the podcast. If anyone needs to contact Kyle, I'll leave your uh, contact information below. And thanks again for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you, Dan. Okay, take care. Take care.